It's just a power trip, Josh. That's what we all struggle with right there. That's a power trip. Just kidding. <laughs> Thank you, sir. We're in the Book of Daniel this morning. Um, have you ever been to a get-together where you see someone you have not seen in a long time and you go, wow, they've aged. <laughs> I'm not there yet, you know. But um, the reason I say that is we're in Daniel chapter 6, and I really, I couldn't get out of my mind. I, I, I think I was taught it before. For whatever reason, I just couldn't help but think when Greg was speaking last week that Daniel is probably in his 80s. And this whole, it's just, you know, if you were like me, I'm old enough to where we still had the flannel graphs in Sunday school, and Daniel in the lion's den was never an old 80-year-old. Um, it was always like this, either middle-aged guy or something like that. But I just want to, I want to set the scene again that we're talking about someone in their 80s, in their 80s. Okay, and that actually, to me, has actually um, even enhanced the story, so to speak. So we'll turn to uh, Daniel chapter 6. Uh, we're not going to get to the lion's den. We're just going to get to what got him there. And then, Lord willing, John will talk about the den next week. In Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these, three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Let's look to the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, again, we thank you that uh, it is interesting. As, I, as we talk to you this morning, you are the same one that Daniel talked to. Um, you are the same God to us as you are to King David and Solomon, Daniel, and all these great heroes of the faith, Ruth. And uh, Lord, thank you so much that you don't show personal favoritism, that we are all uh, precious in your sight. And so it's just humbling, Lord. We pray that during this time, our love for one another would increase, our love for you would increase, that you would build us up that your spirit would control me, that you would do a mighty work. And again, Lord, we would always pray that you would be honored and glorified above all. 
In your name, amen. It's interesting as we start this, um, again, the timeline, he's in his 80s. Um, as you can see here, we have uh, Darius on the scene, and this is actually a new kingdom. This is the Medes and the Persians. Okay, So remember back in the day when I actually preached on the image of gold and silver and bronze and brass, things like this, we are now um, in silver. And this would actually allude to a little bit of what I was talking about. As this kingdom is getting set up, they have 120 satraps. And then there's also three governors, so to speak, to basically make sure they're doing their job. Have you guys ever noticed in the working world how many jobs we create just to make sure someone's doing their job? It's pretty weird. I want you to think about, even in your own profession, how many jobs are created just to make sure someone's actually doing their job. That's what these jobs seem to be uh, for me. Um, Daniel and the other three, their, their whole thing is now you have a king. Um, this why might be a silver kingdom. Um, he has ultimate rule, but he's also put in charge 120 people, and he wants to make sure that they're not cheating him of anything. So he made another job of three people, and they're going to kind of be the, the mediator between the king and these guys who are governors and make sure no one's robbing or swindling uh, the kingdom or anything like that. Okay, so when this happens... Uh, Darius is completely uh, just thinking, wow, this guy, Daniel, pretty good guy. And he might set him over the whole realm. So how does the world react to that? What is the big deal if Daniel becomes ruler over all? And so right away, I have, you know, forgive me if I'm trying. I have an alliteration today. I have a little, yeah, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. We have unnecessary apprehension an unnecessary attack, and an unnecessary aggression. All right, yeah, I hear you. Unnecessary apprehension, unnecessary attack, unnecessary um, aggression. Now, I want to come again and have our uh, hearts focused on how does the world react? How does the world react? Unnecessary apprehension. Why are they so worried about Daniel being put over the whole realm. Because right there in verse 4, it says, From here, so the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against them. Now again, we're kind of used to this story. Let's just stop for a moment. Why does that bother them? Why does it bother them that Daniel, an old man, an old man, would be set up over like that, who actually has a pretty good resume? Really good resume. Has been able to interpret dreams. Um, has been doing a career of, uh, I don't want to say like a political position, but I mean, you could say that, right? Like, and he's, he's wise, he's old. Why are they so upset about him getting more authority? Well, it would seem to me that the world is always upset with whoever's in charge. And they're constantly going against authority. And they constantly say, hey, this person in authority will fix us. And then they don't want that person in authority. So they go to someone else. And then they go to someone else. And they're never really satisfied with authority, period. And I want to encourage us as Christians, you know, um, this, is, this is the fall, right? 
Satan said, listen, I'm not content with being under you. I want to be like you. I want us to be equal. I don't want to be under your authority, God. And then Adam and Eve, you can do whatever you want except that one tree. Mm. Let me come out from under your authority, and I'll make my own decision. Humans got problems with authority. They really do. Humans have problem with authority. Do you remember when Jesus was in the temple? And he cleared out the temple. And it says there, uh, Jesus entered the temple courts. And while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things? And they asked, and who gave you this authority? People always want to know, what are your credentials? Why can you talk to me and actually tell me something about my life? Who gives you this right? Because I want to be in charge of my own life. It would make no sense for me for these guys to sit there and actually even, like, it seemed kind of like out of the blue, they hear rumors that Daniel might be put in charge of everyone and they got a problem with it. Why? I might have told this story ago. I love <laughs> this story. It says, when Christian Herter, the governor of Massachusetts, he was running hard for a second term in office. One day after a busy morning chasing votes and no lunch, he arrived at a church barbecue. It was late afternoon and Herder was famished. As Herder moved down the serving line, he held out his plate to the woman serving chicken. She put a piece on his plate and turned to the next person in line. Excuse me, Governor Herder said. Do you mind if I have another piece of chicken? Sorry, the woman told him. I'm supposed to give one piece of chicken to each person. But I'm starved, he said. Sorry, the woman said, only one to a customer. Governor Herder was a modest and unassuming man, but he decided this time he would throw his weight around a little bit. Do you know who I am? I'm the governor of this state. Do you know who I am, the woman said? I'm the lady in charge of the chicken. Move along, mister. <laughs> um, we all, we have said this, and I think we need to be reminded that we are and will always be a people that have to come under authority, guys. We have bosses at work. We come under the Lord uh, foremost. Um, and there's something about our nature where we always want to go against authority. All the time. All the time. There's no reason that we should look like, that we should look like these guys in Daniel and have unnecessary apprehension right now sometimes about who's going to be an authority out in the world. It's not that we shouldn't care, and it's not that we don't have rights to, to sit there and go, hey, I don't know if I agree or disagree with this. But what seems to be missing in the conversation is our first priority is submit to the Lord. Submit to the Lord. Sometimes we are so worried about worldly authority that we forget we are under the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords authority. And we have absolutely no response except whatever you say, Lord. Whatever you say. It will be good for us to be refreshed of these things and to remind ourselves of our priorities. Guys, it is hard to submit. It's hard to submit. And sometimes what's happening out there can actually make it harder for me and get me maybe more upset and angry. And for some reason, I'm just telling you as a believer, that affects my willingness for some weird reason to submit to the Lord, and it shouldn't. 
There's something about our nature, and maybe this is just me, maybe I'm just preaching to me, that as I things go on that I don't think are right, it, it, it builds up in me a sense that I'm going to make my own choices and I know better. And that is a scary place to be as a believer. Because that goes that's completely anti-biblical. We would be a people that would be smart to say, okay, whatever's going on out there, what's going on in my life, let me check in with my authority. Let me see what he says about it, and let me be willing to submit to whatever he says to do. That's our job. Whatever our God says to submit to, that's what we do. There's also an unnecessary attack. Unnecessary attack. So they don't like this. They're worried about him being in charge. So now they're going to plan. We got to get this guy. They knew Daniel well. And look at this unbelievable. This is kind of like easy to preach from, so to speak. Verse 5. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Wow. Testimony. <laughs> Man, I, I wish I could have just a little piece of that. Like if people at work wanted to accuse me of something or set a trap for me, well, the only thing we can do with Clifford is get him on that religion thing. There's a lot more they could get me on. <laughs> it, it, I, I'm not like Daniel. Um... But these guys have an unnecessary attack. Like we said before, why, why are they attacking Daniel? What, what is the big deal? One person said this, these men knew Daniel well. They knew he could not be trapped into evil, but they also knew that he would be faithful to his God in all circumstances. Every Christian should consider if others could say the same about them. The world may not know the details of doctrine or the intimacies of worship with God, but they can tell a bad temper, selfishness, conceitedness, or dishonesty when they see it. The world is a very poor critic of my Christianity, but it is very sufficient one of my conduct. The world will always misinterpret what Christians actually believe in. They will always misinterpret and they always kind of go, because uh, they're blind. But they're pretty good at calling us out on our conduct. They're pretty good at that. I want to remind us again today that the world will attack us for really no reason. And I think we're going to be hit more and more as a church with people saying this. Do you really think that way? They will probably say it with anger. You cannot think that way. Are you, are you telling me you really think homosexuality is wrong? You think that way? Are you really trying to tell me I can't identify myself as whatever gender I want? You're really saying that? I mean, guys, the list goes on and on. I mean, now it's getting to the point where, are you really telling me you think it's right to hold the door open for a girl? Why does she need you like that? I, I was just trying to be nice. You, yeah, are you really think that way? Who do you think you are? 
Guys, that could very easily be here right now for the church. And we need to be aware of that. That all throughout the Bible, the Lord said there'll be tribulation and sufferings. And all throughout examples, a blind world will attack for no reason. I just, I just want to know what Daniel did to get this. As I was, again, going through the story, I was kind of like, man, I always just remember he got thrown in the lion's den. Oh, because he prayed. And, but there's a setup here. It's not like it was law and then they kind of caught Daniel. That's kind of how I grew up thinking the story was. They wanted to set him up. Why? An 80-year-old man, why are they setting him up? The world doesn't like people who live for the Lord. <laughs> they don't. The world doesn't like a faithful man who you can't pin anything on. They don't like it. So this is just an encouragement to when we get those questions, maybe you're doing something right. And to take the biblical approach to when people say that stuff about you. To give those things up to the Lord and say, Lord, you have to defend me. Lord, I, you're the one that has to... I, I'm not, I don't want to defend myself, Lord. As you actually put your hands... Uh, or you put your life into your father's hands. I want to follow your example. They're attacking me for following you and your ways. Lord, can you deal with this? Can you deal with this? Unnecessary attack. Do you remember the exact same thing happened to the Lord? It says there in Mark... 14, verse 55, I'll read. Now the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they did not find any. For many bore false witnesses against Jesus, but their testimony was inconsistent. Then some men stood up and testified falsely against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this man-made temple, and in three days I will build another that is made without hands. But even their testimony was inconsistent. Now, again, it's easy to look back on this story and kind of play the theological view and all that Jesus meant by saying that. But I would like to, I would like to imagine what if you heard it that day and someone said, yeah, he said he's going to destroy a man-made temple and then rebuild it. Ooh, that's, that's the best you got? That's the accusation? <laughs> like The average person, if you were thinking literally, would be like, that's impossible for him to actually even destroy the temple in three days anyway. What are you talking about? But this is the accusation that they, they tried to get something to stick. And even if they were, quote, thinking spiritually, okay, someone made a claim like that, and that, you know, unnecessary attacks for the Lord Jesus. Interesting to me, interesting that they could not pin anything on him. And yet he still went through courts he still got deemed guilty, and he still got killed. That's human nature. It's human nature. Unnecessary aggression. As they're trying to get Daniel to maybe uh, even get out of this position of leadership. Did you ever stop and think, um, okay, I, I can see that. You don't want this guy here. But suddenly you want him dead? When, when, when do we just skip to that part? Why he got to die? I mean, think of all the things, you know, they could set this up. If you, you know, um, if you 
pray to your God instead of, you know, you, Darius, then you lose your job. Okay. Um, you're whipped 40 times. You're thrown in jail for five years. The punishments could go on and on and on. And they have an unnecessary aggression saying, no, we're going we're gonna to get them. And the punishment is death. And again, I want you to think of an 80-year-old man. And they're looking at that going, yeah, we need him dead. We need him dead. I'm reminded again where it talks about sin in the book of James. In, verse, uh, in chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Unnecessary aggression. Why couldn't they just try to make Daniel step down? I think anger is, again, uh, a scary human emotion. I can't see these guys not being angry and doing a death sentence. I could be wrong. But typically, when you want someone dead, there's anger involved. There's anger. And I think there's a lot of anger going on right now. I think a lot of people are angry. And uh, just because, uh, I mean, the truth is, was I had to, uh, I had to speak to youth uh, yesterday, and I got, uh, why does God hate hands that shed innocent blood? So this, some of these things were on my mind. But um, it, we, we got to be careful with anger. I, I, you know, I'm getting again, like just another. I don't want to say a level of respect. That sounds weird, but, but anger can quickly escalate things. And so I want to be careful with anger in my life. We've talked about this through this whole last year, this whole last year of COVID. We have to have a gut check on why we're getting angry. Is it right? And what we're going to do with the anger. John Perkins was a civil rights leader um, that I had in my house. I don't know why that gives me some kind of clout. I feel it does. It was my parents that invited him over, but I'll take the credit. Uh, but John Perkins was, uh, just, if you want to look him up, great civil rights guy, um, believer in the Lord, but, um, he got attacked and he was beaten within inch of his life, uh, for racism. Here's what he said. He said, right after the attack of, um, these guys, uh, beating him down, he said, I discovered that I had the same hate towards them and that I was a bigot too. I want to preach a gospel that is strong enough to destroy some of this madness. Right? So, again, to be in his position, I don't, uh, you know, that's a little, you know, that's just deep. But to hear him say, listen, I quickly discovered that I could have just as much hatred for them as they did me. And that, that made me a bigot. And I just... I sat there and thought of, man, like we're in, we're in times right now where people are so divided that are we actually becoming just like the other side that we don't even realize it? And, and, and your side's always justified, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. Like we have to be careful why we're getting angry and what we're doing with our anger.
careful. These guys are throwing a man who's done tremendous things. He was ripped out of his country, right? Made to serve in a pagan land, has done tremendous things for his country, is now old in his 80s. And because they don't want him to be in charge of some more stuff, they want to kill him. I just, I don't follow that logic. Maybe there's more to the story. I don't know. But I will tell you that that's human nature. That's where we go, guys, without the Lord. That is inherent in all of us. Daniel's character is portrayed in this chapter again as an example to us. In verse 4, it says, He was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. So I just want to kind of conclude this part, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about Daniel. Is that it says, He was faithful, he was not corrupt, nor was he negligent. In his business operations. That's what this is talking about. Sometimes we like over spiritualize these words. This is talking about him as his position. As his position. As his job. He was faithful. You could trust him with the kingdom. There was no corruption. In the way he did things. And he was not negligent. There was not certain injustices happening in the kingdom that he oversaw. Wow, we finally got the best man for the job. And what happened? They want to kill him. That, that's the way human nature is. Guys, if we live out our faith, that guarantees us nothing but the world hating us more. <laughs> that that's the, 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 the dotted line we signed on as believers. When we live this out, when we live this faith out with true conviction and true love and true drawing a line in the sand, the world's not going to be happy. But it would be good for us to be like Daniel. Let me quickly talk about some of these things that can encourage us that we might be like him amongst a world that might attack us. Faithful, trustworthy. It happens once in a while when you leave the kids at home and you come back to the house. And not only is the house actually not crumbling, there's no holes in the wall, nothing's broken, but again, the kitchen actually looks picked up. You smell some Lysol. Someone cleaned. And then you're wondering if you're in the right house. And then you turn to go to bedrooms. All your children actually put themselves to bed. And they're sleeping. And you think, my goodness, we're good parents. We could trust them with our house. And we came back and it might even have been in better condition. 
trustworthy. Trustworthy. That's what we're supposed to be like with whatever God gives us. He can trust us with it. And not only do we preserve it, we make it better through his help. That's what we do. Jesus basically said, I'm going to go away. I'm going to entrust you with a few things. And when I come back, I want it to be better. No corruption. It's, you know, could you imagine anyone running for political office without some kind of skeleton in their closet now? I can't think of it, you know. I mean, absolutely no corruption. Being able to look at the job done and saying, it's been done well and no one cheated. I was just talking to one of my neighbors yesterday, um, exposing, I, I wanted to kind of be my mission. There's a new math app. I'm learning about this. It's probably, it's probably not even new. It's probably been around for a couple of years. Where you can actually take your phone, take a picture of the homework assignment, and it fills in all the answers. That's right. I'm calling everyone out. Calling it, that's right. I'm a teacher. Okay? Now, what's interesting to me is that, like, you know, as an adult, you're like, wait, wait, is this really happening? And then you like, you hear, the, like, guys, with, with this school year, I'm telling you right now, cheating seems like to be on an all-time high. <laughs> all-time high. All-time high. You imagine we as believers saying no corruption, no cheating, no cheating. And then there's the idea of no negligence. Daniel, you looked at his job as an overseer of, of a humongous kingdom, guys. Humongous kingdom. There was no neglect. That means he was checking in. That means he was making sure this town over here is okay and this town over here is okay. And, and, and are, we, are we, you know, distributing goods properly? Um, are people paying their taxes properly? I mean, all that stuff. There is no neglect. This is the other side of it where people are like, oh, let's just kind of love people. And then, you know, things just kind of fall by the wayside. No. He's not going to be neglectful. He's going to make sure the job's done right. I really hope that you're not like me. And the idea of sometimes this whole year can just make you more neglectful. And you just kind of throw up your hands and we fool around and say, you know, this is 2020 or whatever. And we're just like, it's okay to neglect certain things this year. It's just okay. Because it's a crazy year. I don't know where that thought comes from. <laughs> I know my God hasn't changed. And I know God has not dropped a standard because it's this year. In the final uh, verse 10 there, man, I feel like, you know, maybe it's because I'm getting older. Daniel had a little little bit of like, hey, I knew what you guys are doing, and guess what? I'm still going to pray. Okay? So I just want to leave us with this. His commitments and habits did not change based on the circumstances around him. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. 
He knew exactly what these guys were doing. Did not face him. Again, it's just the ultimate practical question. What commitments and habits have you established in your life that it doesn't matter what 2021 looks like? You're going to do those things. And I'm not trying to guilt anyone, but like we've all kind of said that, right? Like we actually had more time this year. Basically, some of us, right, had more time. Did we read our Bibles more? Have we prayed more? Have we learned things of the Lord more? There's tons of things Daniel could have done here and be like, well, I'm going to break the habit or I'm going to close the windows or any of that stuff. But I just think it was a frame of mind where Daniel goes, oh, no, 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 I've committed to this stuff. I've committed to this stuff. I'm, this is going to happen. It does not matter what the world says. This is going to happen. We should have things like that in our own life. Because guess what? Not to be dooms gloom, but it could get a lot worse than it is now. <laughs> it could get a lot worse. And we would be good to be a people that commit to reading our Bibles, to praying, and to loving people. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you so much for you being the example. Um, Lord, I, I just, it would be so great to have a life where people couldn't uh, pin things on you. That you were absolutely blameless. Lord, help us. Help us to be blameless. Help us to not waver from our commitments. Help us to love you. In your name, amen.